All right, let's get to Think Tank right now. 640 Toronto presents Think Tank. Two guests, Toronto's top stories. Now, let's meet the guests. All right, uh, on the phone joining us this morning, uh, two-time mayoral candidate. She finished third in 2022. Crowded field. Still held a lot of her support in the 23 mayoral by-election. And also, uh, and I didn't get to vote in this, but I would have one of the 50 most influential Torontonians, uh, as as put out by Toronto Life, and she was at the big party last week. Where were you on the 50, Chloe? Weigh, weigh in, because wherever it was, I'm going to put you eight or nine slots higher. You know that. <laughs> I was actually one of the top 25 rising stars. Yeah. So um, there was no particular order, but I was grateful to be on the list. <laughs> I, I think you're one of the top two or three of those 25 rising stars. Is this a falling star? We've got him looking straight across. From, yeah. Ben, you know I got to work in a segue somehow. Of course, yes. It's no. just what has to happen. Yes, no, I, no. My, my claim to fame I, is Toronto <laughs> Life has never put me on any of their lists, except the one. Except if, if there's a joke to be made at my expense, Toronto Life will make it. Something to ascend to. Listen, royal wedding, royal schmetting. You got to get on the Toronto Life list. That's that's. <laughs> where it's all at listen the only people i know who buy toronto life are like <laughs> dentist offices i don't think that's accurate <laughs> you're not gonna get on the list I, any faster i don't if you say care that. i don't care to get on their list no and, offense and by the way chloe very nice to meet you good morning ben good morning all three of us are pro dentist it should I'm also very, be also yes. dentist office that's the only time i ever see an actual physical toronto life is in the di- dentist or doctor's doctor's office come over to my house they're spread all oh, over the house ben they're on the staircase <laughs> trying to curry favor with toronto they're, life they're, are by, you? they're by the litter right. box yeah. oh absolutely are you i'm just the hopeful maybe in the next half decade or so <laughs> chloe let's start with you we just heard that report from uh, hannah stoles and we got word last night a long-term homeless encampment near kensington market um is getting cleared out gets people emotional understandable neighbors, parents of small kids that live nearby. And yes, I always think about this. In those encampments, there are sons, there are daughters, there are fathers and their mothers. They never dreamed they'd spend one night in a tent in a park. And some of them, per the reverend, have been there two years. We're not going to solve this this morning, but I want to know how you react to the story and the city mobilizing on this today. Uh, After the news of hearing the feds have offered money for the Better Living Center and to open the federal armories, I'm kind of upset with the city moving this way. I would have loved to see them mobilize those resources and actually present a plan that we could have all seen that's three, six, nine months to getting people into more micro homes, more medium term homes so that we as residents and neighbors can actually feel better about what we're participating in. Because as everyone has said, these clear outs don't work. The shelters are full. There's nothing that's really feasible. So Mm -hmm. what we really need to see is an actual acceleration of rapid micro homes and just more intergovernmental relationships between the liberal feds, Olivia Chow, Doug Ford, because homelessness is only going to be solved with homes. And that's where I sit on this issue. Yeah, uh, there's not too many cities that have solved it, Ben, but there are other North American cities, to Chloe's point, doing a better job. Uh, And they're moving people into either tiny homes or areas where they can get just get on their feet. But some of it also is about being clean. If you've got an addiction issue, being able to work if you're able bodied like there there is that balancing act here. How do how do you view the news this morning? For me, it's a timing issue. I'm, I'm scratching my head asking why now when we know that next 
next week, I think the, the forecast is that we're going to have snow on the ground this time next week. Sure. And the fact that this is happening on Olivia Chow's watch, it's a head scratcher for me. I have a lot of questions as to why the decision by uh, by this mayor to do this now, when, as you said, this 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 just moves the problem from one place to another. There's absolutely no solution that comes from moving these people. That, you know, I, you and I were talking earlier this morning that I have a lot more time for a decision like this if it happens in the middle of summer. Because I'm not worried for the safety of the people, but and so because I, listen, I get it. The, the the residents after two years are are getting fed up with this because, but I don't think they're necessarily fed up with the people in the encampment. I think they're fed up with the fact that those in power are not making the decisions to make the make the situation better for anyone. And so I appreciate the frustration of the residents, but if it, if it were up to me, I, I wouldn't do anything right now when the weather is about to turn. Because mm. because people's safety is an, an issue, and I, I will take I will take someone's safety. I'll prioritize that over the the discomfort of of the residents uh, at this time of year. Chloe, this is I think Ben put it right though. It's a head scratcher because it's Mayor Chow. I know there were other candidates, Anthony Fury, Mark Saunders, that said this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to get rid. I'm going to try and curb open open drug use. I'm going to get rid of these encampments. We heard none of that from the mayor, and I think she's got supporters who vote for her who are going to see this as a form of betrayal. Would you agree? Absolutely. You can see the fury online. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those really tough issues because, yes, you don't want to separate people who have formed community at the encampments, but you also don't want people to freeze to death. We have a homeless memorial down on Trinity Church, and you see names added every Every day sometimes in the winter because people freeze to death. That is a very real reality in Canada. But this is where the rapid housing becomes a solution. We just saw 58 units added at Dundalk on Scarborough. And they have supportive housing where there's addiction services there. There's uh, job services. And it's baked into the housing complex. And we need to accelerate those types of housing. And this is where... Like from the feds down to the city, I'm really disgusted with these adults being unable to figure out how to transfer money and mobilize working professionals to get this done. Chloe, I want to stay with you because I looked up Houston last night. There was a big New York Times story a week and a half ago in Houston. They're the fourth most populated city in the U.S. And we must we probably think, ah, Texas. Do they actually care? Well, they move 25,000 homeless people directly into small houses and apartments. Most of them are still there after two years. And they got social housing wait times down from 720 days a decade ago to 32 days. It's not impossible for a city. doesn't matter. Left, right, Republican, Democrat, whatever. If your city prioritizes it and, and cuts through a lot of the bureaucratic red tape that you are complaining about, rightly so, in your campaigns, you can do something like this. Absolutely. It's political will at this point. And unfortunately, they're using people as pawns on a huge chessboard to get money for other programs because of budget deficits in different like portfolios. And this is why I'm so disgusted with it. It's not like the politicians are living with the reality of homelessness every day when they walk the streets. It's me, you, and our families and friends who get locked into this moral quagmire of why aren't my taxes helping the people that I see as the most vulnerable. 
Can't figure it out. It, it, this is going to be a fascinating day, Ben. And we had Patrick Brown, uh, Mayor Brampton, on the show earlier who got in front of a microphone and camera last week and said someone passed away last yeah. night. This yeah. is no good. Yeah. And and again, I, I think 10 years from now, we'll all look at this and go, what did this have to do with any kind of political ideology? This is about humanity. Mm-hmm. It, it's There's no stigmatism uh, to, uh, or sorry, there is a stigmatism to, I get it. Some people say, ah, you're telling people what to do. They should be in control of their own lives. There's a stigma to somebody's relative living in a park for two years. Yeah. And until we admit that and get them the help and get them the services that would provide the help, we're just going to – Chloe Chloe nailed it. They're going to go from one encampment to another, going to go from one shelter to another, one tent to another. Well, that's what we were saying. This 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 moves the problem elsewhere, and, uh, and but it doesn't solve it in any way. And and it, it's going to anger uh, a, a certain type of uh, Torontonian, and it's going to put another Torontonian at ease. But again, it's, it's a zero-sum game. For every person you make happy, you're going to make another person upset right now. And mm. – until we realize uh, that, that the, the solutions that we have brought to bear on this issue are insufficient on every single level uh, and, mm. and knowing that we are butting up against a cold winter that where people will die, this is a crisis that is only going to get worse. Yeah. And, and we haven't done anything to solve it. This is not San Francisco and Seattle. No. You stay outside in January, you die. Yeah. You don't just get a little bit of raindrops on Correct. you and a little bit of a breeze. You die mm-hmm. if you stay outside in Toronto and most of our Canadian cities. Let's move to this, uh, and I'll, I'll start with you here, Ben. We missed this Wednesday afternoon. All that mayhem speculation in Niagara Falls, but we saw a brief demonstration by a pro-Palestinian group on the Gardner Expressway. It was shot like a music video. Yeah. I'm like, well, this is like right out of the thriller Purple yeah. Rain days for music video production. Um, it was something to see, but I understand also if it was unsettling. Police didn't make any arrests. Do we make a distinction between walking down a city street on a Saturday afternoon and being on a major yes. Toronto highway? Yes, okay. we absolutely do. I Listen, people have the, the right to protest. It is not absolute. It, it butts up against other people's rights to do their, what, 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 what they are free to do. And, and one, one of the distinctions is you cannot block a, a highway. You just can't. It's against the law. And for, for the, uh, the, the, the police not to arrest people, not to make an example, not to draw a line in the sand and say, you cannot do this, only emboldens people in the future to do that plus more. They're like, okay, well, the line's not there anymore, so I'm going to move the line and see what else I can get away with. It is, look, uh, I, I get the cameras are on. People want to get their message across. I'm all for that. But the second that you start buttoning up against other people's rights and breaking, infringing on their rights, you're not in the right anymore. And so I do think you start getting up on the highways, you start intimidating people, you start doing things that are, are, are against the law, then the law needs to apply mm. to you. Chloe, I can't find two people that agree universally on everything we've seen in the streets in the last seven weeks. But that's that that display on Wednesday. What did you make of it? Is, is there a big difference between that and marching through a park or meeting at the American consulate to you? No, not really. As a nonpartisan policy age like policy person mm-hmm. this is a part of getting the public's temperature and really measuring desperation because as you can tell people don't usually walk on the highway unless they're feeling very desperate to get their message across and this is a larger this is a larger conversation for the federal government but we are really at a point as Canadians where we're talking out of both sides of our necks we're punishing some countries for their treatment of their ethnic minorities. And then when it comes to this particular issue with Israel and Palestine, there's so much uh, moral ambiguity from our leaders that our citizens are reacting. So I'm not really 
going to condemn or condone what happened. This is just a reaction of a desperate public. But I do wonder, we have many issues around the world and we have many countries, whether it's Syria, whether it's in the Sudan, where there's humanitarian crises. We saw them in the 90s in Rwanda and in the Balkans. And we don't get quite the same outpouring. And I know people are looking at this saying, hmm, what's different here? And there are people very worried this is about Israel being involved, plain and simple. And this is about Jewish people being involved. That that out that aspect is out there that they're willing to protest for this, but not necessarily for the other causes. Well, the media coverage that comes from social media is huge. You're seeing young journalists that are like in their 20s broadcasting their reality every day. And as someone who is 30, my reality at 11 was 9-11. Mm-hmm. This is 24-hour news cycle of genocide and ethnic cleansing has to come to an end in my time. And this is why you're seeing such intense pressure at a point where the whole global community is reacting because we're watching a mass eviction. It hits home when you're getting evicted from your own house. And this is where the interconnectedness has created such a large reaction from the global community. And it's particularly hitting millennials and Gen Z who are who are teenagers and have grown up on this diet of watching our countries perpetrate this type of action. Chloe saying that, Ben, makes me think about being a parent, though, too, yep. because our generation's going through this. I'm a little older than Chloe. Um, you are, too. I don't want to reveal anything off your Wikipedia page, <laughs> yeah. but whatever. But but I want my kids to deal with none of this when they're my age. I want this over. It's been 75 years. I wish somebody could come down from another planet, Martians, and tell the Israelis and tell the Palestinians, I got a solution and this is what you're going to do. I, it, nothing, nothing has worked for 75 years. Well, and solutions, it makes me have been, mental. solutions have been presented. And, and and rejected for years. I think, listen, uh, sh- short, short of Martians coming down and solving this problem, we need level-headed people who understand history, understand policy, understand the political di- dynamics of the region. And they are, we need to make sure that they are uh, they have the tools necessary to go into this situation in the future once this situation has been has been dealt with and mm. come up with a solution, a long-term solution that allows for uh, the peaceful coexistence of two people on a very small plot of land. Let me get to this uh, issue yesterday. Um, uh, with uh, Pierre Pauly ever taking on a media member, and I saw a Toronto Star column, uh, Chloe, because I <laughs> yes! think I was I hoping we talk I, about I this. I know the columnist doesn't write the headlines, but I love this. Media fails Canadians by giving a free pass to Pierre Pauly ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't seen this, much in the Toronto Star in the last year and a half that's given Pierre Polyevra a free pass. He's cruel. He's inhumane. The nerve to eat an apple while I, questioning a journalist. Um, but let me start. Let me start with you. I see a ton of media versus Pierre stuff. I don't think the people and you're saying it even right now. I think for your generation, you don't need us like you used to. You might use some of us uh, to get information and get opinion and be entertained. But you don't need us. We don't sit down like our parents and watch four television networks on seven TV channels. People can pick and choose their information. So I don't know. Is the premise fair or flawed? That's Bob Hepburn that wrote that. The the media is failing. And I'm going, I'm not sure anyone's paying attention to what the media is saying about any politician anymore. It depends because my dad is still a big fan of talk radio. That's how he gets. Thank you, dad. Thank you, dad Brown. I love you, brother. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and honestly, it's the way that my mom gets her her news in Jamaica. It's a very popular like medium still when you think of podcast even. So I wouldn't say that media is 
is experiencing this intergenerational divide. It's just the trustworthiness of media figures. So, yeah, I don't really trust the same guys that my parents trusted. And when I'm getting a lot of these political ads, you have to understand I'm getting ads every day and the politicians mm. are trying to mimic the brand. So Pierre Polyev is trying to really sell me Old Spice, a uh, rock star energy drink. There's a lot that he's <laughs> trying to do. And it's we as a younger generation are just like, no, we don't really need you to critically break him down. We already see it. So, yeah, the traditional media, they don't really have... I don't want to say they don't have a pot to piss in, but they don't. <laughs> I'd like to keep a pot to piss in until I get my kids through university. But, yeah, I appreciate you uh, indeed saying that. Ben, yeah. I, I look at it, too. Sometimes we go through this social media lens. There's billions of people that don't use Twitter. When's the last time Twitter predicted something? Yeah. Donald Trump, he'll never be the nominee. He'll never win. Oh, England will never leave uh, the the, uh, the European Union. This won't happen. That won't happen. They get a lot of stuff wrong. Uh, out of nowhere, walks back. We just mentioned Olivia Chow, 14 years out of politics. She walks yeah. up, comes around. Chloe ran against her, doesn't say much, much, and won the well, election look, for the is, city. So we don't need the media, yeah, I don't listen, think. Listen, this is, this is Bob Hepburn trying to manifest the reality that he wants. He has been, I, I just out of, for fun, I Googled some of his headlines. And you're right, he doesn't write the headline, but the headline is informed by what he writes. Pierre fires up the anti-vax mob again. Pierre's callous courting of Canada's deplorables. His disturbing convergence of trouble. Uh, if uh, Pierre is Canada's most dangerous, appalling politician. And it goes oh on goodness. and on and on. Look, this this there is there's so much that is laughable in this article. The suggestion that the the press corps is somehow giving him a free pass. Canadians know at their core that that's not true. But I think he's trying to say that because he has been banging the drum trying to get people to see things his way for years. This is mm. a man by the way who's been in politics since 2004. 19 years he's been there. Which means he's been open for business, open for criticism. And and Bob, despite his best efforts, is seeing that people aren't buying what he's selling, in fact, are going the opposite direction. And if an election were held today, most polls say that he would decimate the liberals somewhere to the tune of in between the 93 Tories and Ignatieff's liberals. Like it, it's it's it would be historic. And I think he is pulling his hair out, trying to figure out what's going on with absolutely no evidence. He suggests that the Globe and Mail and the CBC have been giving him a pass. We know that in our bones <laughs> okay. to be false. So it's adorable. Mm. It's a, it's an adorable exercise in self-delusion. Uh, your dad's sitting at home going, don't break my record of 211 seats in 1984. Don't do it, even though there's more seats listen, now than there listen, were then. Stranger things have happened than yeah. people not living up to expectation. But the polls are suggesting a really big shift. And Bob cannot believe it. He cannot mm. believe it. So he's trying to create a reality in which this makes sense. But, Chloe, I'll tell you, this is why I enjoyed having you in, talking about what you wanted to do for mayor, having other candidates in. Anthony Fury was ignored in a lot of the debates, and then all of a sudden he finished ahead, as you almost did, of many established candidates. And you ran into this a year ago, didn't you? Going, why is everyone just giving this to John Tory? Like, we fail sometimes in our business. I admit it. Well, this is where we have to have a larger conversation of what political power is, because it's like, yeah, even though I lost, I have my own following now. And this is where traditional media needs to catch up and expand their definitions of what is success because honestly i just find some of these commentaries to be laughable because yeah in traditional media there are some wins but on the underground the wins are larger 
And it's like Pierre has not been able to create this large following because of what media has put out there. He's been able to do that because he's using social media to directly talk to people, which is a campaign strategy that I used. So, (laughs) yeah, his team has been following my campaign since the last election and they're using this tactics and they're working. That's so well said, Chloe. And Ben, sometimes it's also shiny new toy. Let's face it. Canada was kind of tired of Stephen Harper and Justin Trudeau. You you remember the ads. Oh, nice hair, but he's not ready yet. They were doing everything they could to diminish his credibility in 2014, 15. And and look to to Chloe's point, you know, success in politics cannot be gauged in sort of one kick at the can or two kicks at the can. It's over the course of a career. If somebody is committed to public service, then then their success or failure needs to be gauged over the course of their entire career. It's going to ebb and it's going to flow. You're going to have a couple of false starts. You're going to learn from your first mistakes. And, you know, Chloe, I'm sure, was uh, was was far more ready in her second term. I'm assuming Chloe, but you learned from the first kick. Well, you know what assumptions do, uh, Ben? Well, you know what happens when you assume. Uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> no, but you're right but, here beside no, but me. You, you learn more from your failures than you, you do. do from your successes. And so, for uh, if somebody doesn't win an election, doesn't mean they failed. It just means that they they've, they've got I don't know they've got more, they've got more information to, to to glean the next time they try. Yeah. Well, we're out of time, and I loved having you both on. Chloe Brown, you were fantastic. You know we're a big fan. Stop by anytime. Tell Dad to keep listening. That matters to me. That made my uh, my morning, uh, afternoon, and evening. He can reach out anytime when he hates something I say as well. So give him uh, give him my personal number, and uh, I'll let uh, I'll let your pop yell at me for a few hours. Jesus, Greg, please. If, if he doesn't do it, somebody else will. And Ben Mulrooney tomorrow yes. on uh, Toronto this weekend, seven yes. to ten each day. Indeed, looking forward to it. And thank you to Bob Hepburn for the morning. Smile. Oh my God. Gosh. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. I needed a laugh this morning. Yes. And I got it right in the cockles of the heart. He's your new favorite Hepburn. I know you loved yeah. Catherine yes. and on Golden yeah. Pond, but, you know, come on. That's the, that was amazing. 